right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning, of this time to gather together, to worship together, God, to praise your name, God, to sing all the foundations of our faith together, God. We pray for this time that we spend together now, God. We pray that your word will be heard, God, that you will um, speak in spite of me and that you will, um, we will hear the thing that this morning that we need to hear so that we can grow closer to you. In your name we pray, amen. All right, who saw that? Like, I tried to come up here like three times. Do you see that? Okay, and I got all my stuff, okay? I got my Bible, I got my notes, I got my water. My husband who preached last week, who's over there, he's like, Allison, can you have one bag? Can you have one thing? No, I can't. I got to have all the things with me. Um, my name is Allison. Who else is like that? Pat, you're like that too? Uh-huh. Okay, so my name is Allison. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm excited to be here with you. That's why I kept rushing up here. It's like I was excited to be here with you this morning. Um, I many times say I am not up here preaching. I am just sharing what God has said to me this week because it lowers the expectation for you and for me. So just know that's what's happening up here this morning. And did anybody else wake up with like this thing in their throat? It's like something is happening with allergies or the weather. So that's why I have my water and you may hear me um, during the time. So just thank you for that allowance. Okay, so let's get started. So how many of you out there are like, are like this? You could be looking and looking for something and it literally could be standing there or sitting there right in your face and you just cannot see it. You do not see it. Is anybody else like that? I am like the poster child for this, okay? I can literally be running around, and it can be sitting right there, and I cannot see it. And I actually asked my husband, Jacob, when I was like, can you think of a time, like, when I couldn't, like, it was something was just right there, and I couldn't see it? Like, I'm just running. He's like, every day of your life. Every day of your life, that is what it's like. Um, and, like, many times for me, um, it is my cell phone. So, like, I will just have had my cell phone, and then I'm like, where's my cell phone? Where did it go? And then I use this really nifty thing on my watch, which is the only reason I have this watch, and it beeps. Like, you can get it, and then your phone will beep, and, not, like, nine times out of ten, that phone is sitting in my back pocket. That is where it is. Is anybody else kind of like that? Okay? Is anybody out there, like, I need assigned people? Okay, like I need, if I'm trying to make a decision, I got to figure out what's next. And it's like, I need a sign. Anybody else out there? No one out there is signed people? Okay, some people out there. Okay, okay. So if you are in either of those camps, if you recognize yourself in that, you are very much like the crowd that we're going to be talking about today, where Jesus, um, we were going to pick up from last week. Um, so we're going we're gonna to read the first part of that scripture today. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Luke 11, and we are going to read that together. Let's open up my Bible. Okay. We're starting in verse 29. Okay. As the crowds were increasing, he began saying, This generation is an evil generation. It demands a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And look, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this, with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at Jonah's preaching. And look, something greater than Jonah is here. 
So when I was look, look, reading that first part of the scripture, it was, I just kept thinking, like, what is it with us, right? The best thing can literally be standing in front of us. Like, we can literally, like, walk up and hit it, which happens many times to me. I'll just walk up and hit something, okay? It can literally be standing there, and we're like, no, this can't possibly be it. I need a sign. I need, I need some evidence. I need you to convince me that that is, is who this is. And so when the crowd's we're, we're, we're coming together. You know, it was like Jonah was the sign to Nineveh of who God was. Like, and it took Jonah being in the belly of a whale or a monster or whatever you want to call it for them to be like, yes, that's who, this is God's, this is God's prophet. This is somebody we should listen to. We're going to trust and obey. But it's like we, each generation keeps looking for a sign, proof that Jesus is who Jesus is. And so you would think it would be easy, but it's not obviously, because we're still, I think so many times we're still searching. So I'm going to go, let's, let's go on to the next part of this scripture where Jesus continues. And it picks up and it says, no one, no one lights the lamp and puts it un, in the cellar or under a basket, but on the lampstand, so that those who come may see its light. Your eye is the lamp of the body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when it's bad, your body is also full of darkness. Take care then that the light in you is not darkness. If therefore your whole body is full of light with no part of it, part of it in darkness, it will, it will be entirely illuminated as when a, light shines, a lamp shines its light on you. Okay. So we don't hide a lamp. Lamp being who? Jesus. Yep. We put it, we don't hide it. We put it on a lampstand, which is us, okay, for all to see. Your eye is the lamp of your body, and when you're healthy, your whole body is full of light. So there's this ancient understanding back in the Greco-Roman time that the eye emitted light and sight was possible when the light from within met the light from outside. So if the eye was clear and healthy, then it gives sight. And if it's dark, then it wouldn't transmit the light. But we know that's different today, right? So Jesus invites the crowd to consider whether light in them has become dark because if, because if it is, they can't put it on a lampstand for everybody to see. Okay, so this morning I want to spend some time talking about darkness, okay? We have been taught our whole lives to be fearful of the dark, okay? When we're young, we tend to have our parents that say, it's, it's getting dark outside, let's come inside so we can be safe, or we watch movies. A lot of movies depict, dark, you know, bad things happening in the dark. You know, if we were to turn the lights on in a movie, it may not seem so scary. But we do, we depict all this, this scary things and moments in the dark. And if you've been around me, you know that I have had a fear of the dark my whole life. It's gotten better, but I've had a fear of the dark my whole life. And the fear of dark is actually called nyctophobia. Um, and the name comes from the Greek word light. It also is called scutophobia, which means fear of the darkness. And it's very common. About 45% of children have it and about 12% in adults. So I began to think to myself, where did all this begin? So our researchers believe that fear of the dark probably dates back to our ancestors. Many, many years ago when our ancestors lived and slept outside, out in the open, the dark was very dangerous. Predators roamed at night and our ancestors had to stay aware um, in order to survive. But nyctophobia isn't just about being afraid of the dark. Kids and adults with that phobia actually have a fear of what they can't see. In the dark, many children are afraid of ghosts, monsters, or robbers. 
They may worry about the noises they hear when the lights are out, especially when they can't tell what's caused them. They fear what's in the dark as much as they fear the dark itself. Many years ago, I came across one of my favorite theologians who had written a book. Her name is Barbara Brown Taylor, and the book is called Learning to Walk in the Darkness. And I want to read this to you, what she says. She says, without the benefit of, ma- of maturity or therapy, I had no way of knowing that darkness was as much inside me as it was outside me, or that it had any power to affect its hold on me. No one ever taught me to talk back to the dark or even breathe into it. The only strategy I had been taught for dealing with my fear of the dark was to turn on the light and yell for help. She was told that there weren't any witches under her in her closet or monsters under her bed, There was no telling what she said what I would have done if they had asked me what color the witch's eyes were or what the monsters were going to do to me. If they had, I might have been more curious about what the darkness was dishing up inside me. I might have learned to look more deeply inside instead of looking away. But my parents wanted a quick fix. They wanted to go back to whatever they were doing in the living room and wanted to stop, and I wanted to stop being afraid. So we settled on a solution that worked for both of us. Eliminate the darkness. Leave the light on in my room so that it was never dark. And I really resonated with that. That was my childhood. Like, I don't know how many times I was like, I'm scared, I'm scared. And my parents were like, just leave the light on. Just leave the light on. Um, And I think many of us simply want to eliminate the darkness. We want to find a quick fix rather than leaning into it. We are afraid of the darkness that's within us, and some of us can avoid it our whole lives, and others can avoid it until we're forced to deal with it. And believe me, I've tried. I tend to be the eternal optimist, always finding the silver lining in every situation. For me, it always ends in rainbows and butterflies and sprinkles and glitter. And if you know the Enneagram, I'm Enneagram 7, which means I'm here for the fun. Like, if it is not fun, I don't want to do it. If there is pain there, I'm going to run away from it. And so I even got the nickname at one of my previous churches. uh, My nickname, many people called me Joy, which was very flattering. Like, that's lovely to call me Joy. But the reality was, was that I was tending to focus solely on the joy and nothing else. I I wasn't allowing myself to see that there might be an other side to me which worked for a while until I began to notice a little less and less joy in my life, a little less light. And this is when I began to consider that there are other sides to me due to hard things in my life, which I could or could not control, because, you know, life is hard and bad things happen. I discovered that everyone has a shadow. Everyone has a shadow that blocks out the light. And this is a combination of untamed emotions, less than pure motives and thoughts, that unconsciously strongly influence and shape our behaviors. It It is the most damaged and hidden version of who we are. The shadow may erupt in various forms, sometimes behaviors like judgmental perfectionism, anger, jealousy, resentment, lust, greed, or bitterness, or a need to rescue others, a need to be noticed, isolation, or rigidity. Aspects of your shadow can be sinful, but it also can just be a wound that hasn't been dealt with or simply a weakness. 
An example that I think is really helpful in, in thinking about our shadow is the story of Mr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Have y'all heard this story? I mean, many of you probably have. It's a familiar story to many of us. During the day, Dr. Jekyll led a polished life, well-respected life with many friends. But at night, he roamed the streets as the violent Mr. Hyde. And at first, he enjoys the ability to indulge his shadowy side, but over time, he loses the ability to control going back and forth between his two identities. He increasingly becomes the dark Mr. Hyde, and his shadow takes over. And I think the part of that we can relate to in this story is Dr. Jekyll's efforts to avoid it at all costs, facing the reality of his shadow. And we all have a shadow. We all have some kind of darkness that we're trying to fight. Have you or your friend ever had someone snap at you or you're, and you're like, where did that come from? That's their shadow. Someone or yourself holding you to a state of perfectionism that is, isn't attainable with very little allowances for a mistake. That's a shadow. Someone getting upset with you that seems misguided. Shadow. It all comes from unresolved hurts, habits, and hang-ups that if we don't deal with it will knock us off God's plan and throw us into a worldly detour headed toward destruction and despair. So we have to ask ourselves the question, why? What from our past have we refused to deal with? What have we just muscled through because there wasn't enough time to pull it out and examine it? After time, big or little things pile up and begin to take over. And so Mr. or Mrs. Hyde is what happens. And we both have to, we have to hold both sides. We have to hold that we are a new creation in Christ and that we also have a sinful nature. Romans 7.21 says, Although I want to do good, evil is inside of me, the darkness. We are, but we, it keeps going, we are not slaves to the darkness. Verse 25 says, thanks be to God who delivers us from this. I want the church to be a place where we don't have to hide our darkness. Many people have had the experience where they feel like they can only bring their sunny sides to church. We've got to leave all that other stuff at home and come with just a smile on our faces. We have to hide the darkness and just focus on the goodness. And there's a lot of scripture that teaches us that darkness is bad. It represents sin, ignorance, spiritual blindness, and death. Putting all of that sinister stuff in the dark and identifying God with only the sunny part can leave us with dealing with this on our own time. It's possible that we as humans who run from the darkness have created a giant closet in which we can store everything that threatens or frightens us, thinking keeping us from thinking about it too much. But there are also stories in the Bible where God uses darkness. God led Abraham, Abraham outside at night where he told him to look at the stars, count the stars, and that's how many descendants he was going to have. The night sky is where Abraham decided to trust God. Jacob wrestles with an angel by the river all night long. Joseph's dreams that capture the attention of the Pharaoh happen at night. The exodus from Egypt happened at night. Manna falls in the wilderness at night. 
and God can use your darkness too. Barbara Brown Taylor says, Darkness is not dark to God. The night is as bright as the day. So are you willing to face the darkness, the shadows? Willing to ask what color your monster's eyes are? Instead of trying to find a quick fix, can we be bold enough to be willing to face the darkness and believing that God is big enough to meet us in our darkness so that we can find light? Now, this isn't a sermon where I end with a three-step plan as to how to face the shadows or overcome the darkness in your life because it's hard work, and it's different for each and every person. But I can encourage you to be bold enough to stop running from it. I can encourage you to seek the help from whoever you need, whether that's the form of a counselor, a spiritual director, an accountability group, a support group, or a friend. I can encourage you to stop denying the shadows that are in your life that keep you from shining the light of Christ, that keep you from living the abundant life that God wants for you. I can remind you that you're not stuck. I can remind you that this is really hard, but you can, and you can keep turning away from it, you can keep running, and you can refuse to deal with it. You can refuse to work on your insides. We can resist it. But if we're willing to go there with him, move with him, go into the darkness, Jesus can bring out the light. And I promise that he will meet you there. God will rescue you. God will redeem you. The times that the light of Christ have been the brightest and the most have been in my darkness. This is when it has been the brightest in my life. If we name it, if we face it, if we stay in it, on the other side of it, we will find hope. And now we have something that the crowds didn't have in that scripture we read. We know what happens at the end. We know that even after all the crowds condemn Jesus and through all his efforts, he still can't get them to believe who he is. Even after he hung them, we hung him up, tortured him, spit on him, even after he died, we know that three days later that stone was rolled away and that Jesus defeated death and showed us that there is absolutely nothing in our lives that we cannot overcome. There is light in the midst of darkness. And this is what resurrection is, people. It is resurrection hope, and it's what we believe. It's not rainbows and fairies. It's be, being able to be brave enough to rise from the big and small ashes of our lives so that we can be the lampstand to show what resurrection looks like in our lives today. This is the best and the greatest testimony that anyone can share. Now, I love nature. I love walking in nature. I love all the things about nature. You can see my cup. This cup is all nature. Love it. And have you ever been out in nature and there's a place where something's being built, like a, you're out on a walkway or you're someplace where um, we have moved in and created a parking lot or something else in that area, and there's a place where you see a flower kind of coming through the ground, a place where really it shouldn't. 
and you see this flower trying to poke its little head up through whatever it is that it shouldn't be growing through. And you're thinking to yourself, come on, flower, you can do it. You can do it. Push away from the darkness and come out to the light. Push away that. And, and what I want to say to you, oh, it's 11.10. <laughs> Actually wasn't thinking, I thought about that last week when Jacob was preaching. I did not think about that today. So let's pray. Let's pray. Loving God, we're thankful for this community. We're thankful for a reminder to pause and to pray and to remember what we're praying about, God. To remember that we're praying for this community that we live in, God, and we're praying that all those around us might know the love of Jesus, might know you, God. And so we pray for our community. We pray for the people that we're inviting to come next week. God, we pray that you will call them out to name to, name to us and that we'll be bold enough to simply ask them to come with us, even if it means we roll up to their house, God, and we pick them up. But we pray for that, God, and we pray for the future of our church, God, and that you will use us in mighty ways. It's your name we pray. Amen. Okay, now where was I? <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, we're talking about nature and flowers. That's right. Okay, so... I think what I wanted to say to you in that moment, as cheesy as it may sound, is come on, little flower, push, push up from the ground, push through the dead places of your life. And what happens next? The light of Christ shines. It comes out of you like beams, and you become the lampstand. The call at the end of the scripture that we've read is to be the lampstand to the lamp to be the physical representation of Jesus to the world. But this is limited to the degree with which you recognize and engage your own shadow. And it's the degree to which you can free others to face theirs. Ignoring your own shadow will limit your ability to serve others. And God is counting on you. He is counting on me. He is counting on you in each and every row and every person sitting in this room. The world is counting on you. Your family and your friends are counting on you. And you can do it. We can do it together because there is a whole world of people out there who are hurting and need to know what resurrection looks like in our world today. And you and we and all of us can be that lampstand. Let's pray. God, we're thankful to sit here in this space together, God, a place to each and every week to bring our brokenness, to bring all the things in our life, God, that is going on, God, because this, there's a lot happening in this world around us, God. It can almost be paralyzing sometimes, God, but we know with you we can find that hope. We can find the beauty from the ashes that we can push through into the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, God. And so we pray that we can be willing to be brave enough to face our own shadows, God, that we can be brave enough to work through the pain, to not turn away, God, and know on the other side of that is your goodness and that you will meet us there so that 
God, we can be the lampstand for you to the whole world around us, God, so that we can free ourselves of that, God, and we can just shine. So God, be with us the rest of this day and the week ahead, God, and let us be the lampstand to the world. It's your name we pray. Amen. I want to invite our communion servers to come forward. So we're going to go into a time of communion now where we're going to come together and we are going to um, remember, just as like I was talking in just a minute ago, about what it is that Jesus did for us. Um, The night before Jesus died, he gathered in a room with his friends, his disciples. They sat around a table and they ate bread and they broke bread together and then they drank from a cup. And he said, do this every time you remember, you, you gather together in memory of me because of what Jesus did for us, for the fact that he died for us so that we can be resurrected, so that we could be redeemed, and so we could know what it looks like for that each and every day of our lives. And so we're going to experience that together today. We bring our good, our bad, and our ugly to this place, and Jesus is here, and he accepts us, and he meets us where we are. And so we come together to do that this, today. Let's pray. God, we pray for these, these gifts of bread and juice. May they be for us the body of Christ, that we could be the body of Christ to the world. In your name we pray, amen. There's everybody gathered here. If you need the gluten-free, it's right here in the middle, and I invite you to come.